following program was paid for by Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. The views and opinions expressed on Answers Live are not necessarily those of the staff and management of the station. Management has not investigated the claims made during this program. The views and medical recommendations of guests on Answers Live are not necessarily those of Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. As always, consult your health professional regarding any medical decisions. Welcome to Answers Live, your community medical connection, making a partnership of good health. The studio lines are open for your calls and questions. Call 973-267-9687. Now, here's your host, Tom Wood. Good morning and welcome to Answers Live. I'm your host, Tom Wood, creating a partnership of good health. Answers Live is brought to you every Sunday morning at 930 by Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists, a little, bit, uh, a little bit about us, is located at 310 Madison Avenue in Morristown, New Jersey. We have seven other offices located throughout the state. Our newest one is located in Bedminster, New Jersey at 350 Main Street in the Schoolhouse Village. We can be reached online at www.ansdocs.com. Again, that's www. ANSDocs.com. And again, our main number at the uh, office in Morristown is 973-285-7800. This is a live call-in show, so I do stress if you'd like to speak to our guests, you give us a call at 973-267-WMTR. Uh, that's 973-267-9687. Okay, this morning I'm very excited about our topic, as I am every week. Um, today I'll be speaking with Dr. Kenneth Storch. Uh, he's from Overlook Medical Center. He's the medical director at the newly opened Metabolic Weight and Wellness Center. And our topic today is going to be just on that, um, Metabolic Weight and Wellness. Good morning, Dr. Storch. Good morning, Tom. Thank you so much for being with us. Before we get into the topic itself, let's just let everyone know a little bit about uh, your educational background and uh, really who you are. How do people get a hold of you if they need to reach you after the show? Thanks, Tom. Yeah, well, um, I uh, went to medical school already having a big interest in nutrition. And what I was surprised to learn was that in medical school, there was very little nutrition education. Doctors really don't have that as part of their education. Um, there was one elective, you know, for about two days <laughs> and a few hours in the biochem course. So I went out of my way to get some extra knowledge. And I was also uh, training at a time when some technologies were first being introduced into the medical world, including the ability to feed a person intravenously totally and keep them alive without eating any food at all. Right. Uh, and that was one of my entrees. And when I uh, got into my residency, um, that technology was going into the hospital, and my my program director sent me to Boston to bring the technology back into New York, uh, where I was training. Uh, so I was instrumental in bringing that into that hospital. But in the process, I formed connections with uh, people in Boston. And after I finished my training in internal medicine, I ended up going to MIT for uh, four years, actually, to train in nutritional biochemistry. Wow. Ended up with a PhD on top of my MD. And, uh, and that was quite a you know wonderful experience some really world class people up there um, got training that really would have been hard to get in anywhere else right. and then after that I spent a couple of more years doing clinical work at the Harvard teaching hospitals and there my interest really broadened a lot not only to the high-tech nutrition but also into wellness and, and weight control and taking care of 
metabolic disorders. Okay. So when I finished that six-year stint in Boston, I came back to New Jersey right. uh, and have been practicing here ever since. Okay, wow, that's so impressive, the background you have. Um, excited to answer a lot of questions. So for the listeners, it's Dr. Kenneth Storch. Let me give you the information um, to reach him because I'm sure you're going to want to speak to him after the show. He's located at Overlook Medical Center uh, at, the, at the Metabolic Weight and Wellness Center, which is a new center. We're going to talk about that. Um, at Overlook, they have a MAC-1 and a MAC-2 building. That's a medical arts center. He's at the MAC-1 building. Uh, the office number there is 908 5225794. Okay, let's get started with some of these questions. Um, please explain to me the Metabolic Weight and Wellness Center. W- what is it and what benefit is that going to bring our listeners and, and the local community? Well, I'm, gl- I'm glad you asked. <laughs> uh, the, the, the Metabolic Weight and Wellness Center fills a huge gap in the medical system. Um, med- the medical system, to some extent, is oriented uh, towards crisis intervention. So you get uh, disease, maybe it's diabetes, uh, maybe it's heart disease, um, and we diagnose it with tests, and then we put you on medicines to treat it, and that's you know the, largely the focus of the medical system. But when you have other situations that might be earlier on, we're not that good at managing them. Like let's let's say you have high blood pressure, you know you don't feel any different. You don't necessarily. Uh, it doesn't feel sick when you have high blood pressure, right. um, but even that uh, is treated with the medical model. We just put you on a medicine. But it turns out that many of these these sin, these conditions, like high blood pressure, like high cholesterol, uh, like high blood sugars, even before you have diabetes, um, all um, have strong benefit by treating them in a more broad way, okay. uh, a way that the regular doctor would have a hard time doing. And we'll pay attention to a, a more broad spectrum of concerns, like, for instance, uh, what you're eating, um, uh, what your lifestyle is like in general. Are you getting enough sleep? Uh, is your sleep quality okay? Maybe you have something called sleep apnea. Uh, we'll look at uh, your food patterns. And uh, in some cases, we'll recommend uh, supplements. We call them nutraceuticals. And we might even uh, change uh, the medicines that you're on. For instance, there are some medicines that are used for a condition like high blood pressure or diabetes that make the numbers look better, but they actually do other things that are harmful to the patient and maybe even make them gain more weight, which then snowballs into even worsening of the underlying condition and requires more medicine. Right. So... You know, that's part of the spectrum. But in addition to that, we also have a broader team, whereas in a doctor's office, it's mainly the doctor there with some people helping them, usually a nurse. In our center, we have uh, psychologists and uh, nutritionists and access to even to a fitness trainer. So, uh, you know, we have a much broader perspective in trying to um, combine various aspects of uh, improving lifestyle uh, improving medicines, and on the other end of the spectrum, we have access even to surgeons. You know, for the patients who are very, very overweight and uh, haven't been able to find any um, options that uh, are adequate for that situation, bariatric surgery is another option that we include in our spectrum, and it's life-saving in many right. conditions. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the center itself is not just for weight management. There's other types of metabolic um, uh, conditions that you would treat. Um, I hear a lot about this metabolic syndrome. Um, what is metabolic syndrome? 
So metabolic syndrome, it's a combination of metabolic disorders with a very strong component from your genetics, but also a very strong component from your lifestyle as well. And it's pretty common. Um, more than 20% of the population in our country seem to have it. And the, the underlying uh, conditions that people with metabolic syndrome share include something called insulin resistance, which we can get into a little bit more deeply. It's, it's a little technical, but people, I think, have heard of that term. Um, and also usually too much fat around the mid part of the body, abdominal fat. And uh, it's why do we even care about it, this question? You know, well, there's a lot of reasons why we care about it. For one thing, it could be a precursor to diabetes. But even more importantly, bad things can happen even if you don't become diabetic. For instance, you have a higher risk of getting heart attacks, a higher risk of strokes, a higher risk of cancer. And it's basically, it's a, it's a rapid form of aging. When you have metabolic syndrome, the inside of your body is aging more quickly than it should be. Uh, okay. Things wear out, your, your, especially your vascular system, all the blood flowing in your body. Okay. Uh, that definitely sparked my interest. Um, is there symptoms that someone would know that they have this metabolic syndrome? Is it, it, it's, is it a feeling you get? Um, you said, you know, people that have more weight around their midsection. So I'm sure anyone listening is saying, oh, I have weight about my midsection. So is there ways to, or symptoms, I guess I'm saying, where someone would say, you know what, I haven't been feeling that great. Maybe I should go speak to Dr. Storch about that because I'm having trouble losing weight or I'm not feeling the way I should. Um, can you address that? Yeah. Like a lot of metabolic disorders, you don't necessarily have symptoms. And, and, and the metabolic syndrome um, is a precursor to other things. So you don't tend to have symptoms. Okay. For instance, if you, if you become diabetic, you might be getting up a lot overnight to, to go to the bathroom uh, because the sugars are causing you to make more urine. Uh, but with metabolic syndrome, it, it hasn't gotten to that point. And that's, that's really the whole issue. With metabolic syndrome, you don't really know you have it necessarily. Unless you look, look closely in the mirror, you might no, notice a certain shape of your body. Right. But besides that, you, you might not feel overall that well, but you're not going to necessarily realize you have it. And it's something where uh, probably one of the best things you can do is just to run a tape around your waist. And for let's say for, for people of European descent, for women, uh, if your waist circumference just above the hip is more than 35 inches, or for men, if it's above 40 inches, that's a, a strong indication that you might have it. And for other populations like Asians, the numbers are even smaller, um, lower numbers, because they, Asian populations tend to uh, tolerate uh, middle body fat less well. And uh, African-American populations as well uh, tend to tolerate middle body fat less well. So even below those numbers, uh, you might have it. But in order to, to know that you have it, you probably have to talk to your doc. Uh, okay. And they can, they can uh, diagnose that readily. Although, again, most medical offices are not as prepared to deal with metabolic syndrome because it really takes a multidisciplinary sin, uh, team to address all the issues. It's, it's got a, a really strong lifestyle component that okay. is out of the wheelhouse of a regular medical practice. Right. So I can see that's where this uh, the center would come in. You go to a center like yours where everyone is focused on this, can diagnose this, and if it is that, can help treat, get you on a weight management program. Um, there is a, a blog called Well Aware, which is uh, the Atlantic Health uh, System blog. Um, and you say on that blog, uh, American culture, it seems that food is chasing us rather than us chasing food. What do you mean by that and why is that important? <laughs> well, yeah, let, let's look historically. Um, 
long before there was supersizing, you know, long before there were, were restaurants and supermarkets or even organized farming, our ancestors were genetically pretty much the same as we are. You know, our genes haven't changed over thousands of years. Um, so we uh, evolved over um, conditions uh, where um, food was not available, and that had a number of consequences. For one thing, um, in order to get food in, in prehistoric times, let's say, we're, we're, you know, and our ancestors really were pretty much the same as us metabolically, uh, it wasn't uh, you know, a Dunkin' Donut sitting on, on you know, the right. desk. You, know, you had to actually go into the wild and, and chase after the food. So our ancestors, to, to get their uh, nutrition, let's say you need about 2,000 calories a day just as a ballpark, they probably expended uh, several hundred calories a day just gathering the food or foraging or hunting on average. Whereas for us, all you have to do is lift your arm up and, you know, there's going to be food, you know, right next to you on your desk. Or if it's a really bad day, you have to walk to the refrigerator. Absolutely. <laughs> right, right. And, and interestingly, there have been studies looking at, and even in modern times, there are hunter-gatherer populations in certain parts of the world. And what studies have shown is that the difference between their metabolism and ours isn't so much that they burn more calories. They do probably burn more calories than we do on average, but the bigger difference is the food availability. Um, in, in natural populations, um, the food is much less addictive. It's, it's whole food, unprocessed. It's not full of uh, sugar and salt and savory oils. And these foods trigger circuits in our brain that make us out of control. We just basically don't have a signal to stop eating uh, because we have these foods that uh, pretty much stimulate the same circuits as, as drugs do, like, like heroin and cocaine, believe it or not. Right. Uh, so there are huge differences. But the bottom line is that uh, the food supply is very different and the availability is really not a, a blocking access anymore, whereas in the past, even, even as recently as 30, 40 years ago, you didn't have this availability of, of all these unprocessed foods that are very inexpensive and available everywhere. Yeah, that's a, the ease of getting the food is, is key. Um, listening to what you're saying, of course, it, it does uh, stimulate a lot of thought with me, um, having that access to that easy food. But for my own question, I'm sure a lot of listeners, is when you, you could have two people and they're eating the same types of foods, um, and then one will be thin and one will be heavy, and, and in general you'll say, oh, they have very high metabolism. I don't have high metabolism. I, you know, I have low metabolism. Could, let's let's, uh, let's talk a little bit of that. What affects metabolism? Can you have two people that one actually does very high metabolism, the other doesn't has low? And and what affects that? How do you stimulate your metabolism? And is there a change or a difference in that? Well, first of all, I'll say that life is unfair. Okay. <laughs> well, that's not the answer I wanted. <laughs> and uh, another thing I'll say is that you know the virtues of the past are the vices of the present. So your metabolism would have been great as a hunter-gatherer. You know, your ancestors, you know, if there were famine, would have done a lot better than the ancestors of somebody who has a very fast metabolism. You would, you would have held out through that famine much better. So, um, you know, your ancestors lucked out. Um, and in modern times, that doesn't really help very much and, unless something really bad happens in our society. But um, the reality is that some people do have genetics that make it very, very difficult to maintain weight, uh, and some just are naturally thin. And the, the differences um, have to do with both metabolism and with appetite. Um, and, and this is not talking about 
lifestyle because lifestyle is very important also. But you're right. There are you could have two people who uh, are just living the same exact lifestyle, and one will be very thin and one will be very fat. And as we get more information from the human genomic projects that are, are um, already underway, uh, we're, we're discovering more and more genes behind this, that there are genetic bases for the differences between one person and another. So to some extent, even at birth, um, you know, that your window of how much you're going to weigh uh, has been narrowed, and you know, some one person is going to probably be a lot heavier than the next person. So, can you do something about that? Well, yes, but you're not going to probably bridge the gap if you're a person who uh, has a strong genetic uh, tendency to be overweight. It'll be very hard for you to bridge the gap with somebody who is naturally thin or a fashion model, let's say. Right. Uh, but but there's a, a large uh, window that you have. You know, probably there's about a 30% range on average between your weight at, at your worst and your weight at your best. Um, we don't see many people who, let's say, are 100% uh, overweight ab above what they should be, and they suddenly, something clicks in them and they all of a sudden become thin. Right. You know? But we will see that with a, a non-surgical program, uh, they, many people will lose 20 or 30% of their weight, which is very, very significant. Right. Um, and the things that matter um, include, uh, obviously, fitness, uh, uh, resistance exercise and cardio are huge determinants of, of how much you're burning and how, how fit you are. And uh, that can't be overstated. I mean, that's, that's, that's really a big thing. Um, eating control is a big part of it also. And like you said, carbs uh, could be a big part of the problem for many people. Uh, there, there's a type of diet style, and I'm not recommending it for everybody, but right. we call it pal the Paleolithic diet. And that when we get rid of a lot of the foods that uh, have come out in uh, you know more modern parts of human history that maybe weren't part of the diet that our ancestors were eating. And some of the foods in that uh, program that are eliminated include grains. And it's very difficult because almost every tradition from every culture has some kind of a love affair with grains. Like you were telling me before about you know pasta right. is high on your list. And, Breads. You know, probably right. in my family, breads and bagels are <laughs> high right. on the list. And... Uh, those do have big effects metabolically, um, and uh, this sort of ties in some of what I was talking about with metabolic syndrome and ins insulin resistance. Uh, when you're eating foods that are, are refined and processed and high in starch, and especially if they're high in sugars, and, and I don't mean natural sugars, but added sugars from the, from the food industry, uh, it raises your insulin levels. Insulin is the hormone that clears carbohydrate in the form of sugar from your blood. So you're making more and more insulin. Well, guess what insulin does? It does many, many things, but one of the, the, the biggest attributes to insulin is that it's a fat-storing hormone. Mm. So ironically, when you're eating more carbs, you're having your body store more fat. And one of the tips that I, I'll, I'll give almost every patient of mine is that you have 365 chances a year to burn a lot of fat, and that's while you're sleeping. So when, when you're sleeping, your insulin levels are supposed to go down. Um, you know, you're, you're not supposed to be digesting a lot of food while you're sleeping. It's just not part of the plan. So when you're sleeping, your insulin, insulin levels can drop very low because you've allowed your digestive tract to empty out, and your pancreas is going to sense that, 
and it's going to lower the insulin levels because you don't want to drop your blood sugar while you're sleeping. Right. And while that's happening and you have these low insulin levels, then your body can release fat and burn it. So uh, I, I advise you know, most of my patients to stop eating well before, uh, let's say, 10 hours before breakfast. In other words, if you're having breakfast at 7 a.m., I'd like you to stop eating well before 9 p.m. You know, let that food that's in your stomach get digested and absorbed and give your, your body a chance to live for 8 or 10 hours with low insulin levels every night. It makes a lot of sense. Um, I'm going to stop you right here. We have to take a quick break. And when we come back, I'm going to delve again into this. This is so interesting. I'll be right back with Dr. Kenneth Storch. I'm Tom Wood of Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. Suffering from neck or back pain can truly disrupt your life. Every day, I hear of the stories of people whose lives have been devastated by nerve pain, but who are afraid to see a neurosurgeon. They're scared of surgery. But at Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists, we make getting back to the life you want possible using a variety of minimally invasive treatments. Our group of specialists are among the best trained doctors in the state, the leaders in stroke and minimally invasive spine and brain tumor procedures, and we view surgery as the last option. Don't be afraid to end your pain. Trust Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. We have eight offices throughout New Jersey and are affiliated with most healthcare systems. Call 973-285-7800 or visit us at ansdocs.com. That's ansdocs.com. Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialist. We've truly got your back. Hey, welcome back. This is Tom Wood from Answers Live. Um, Again, I'm with Dr. Kenneth Storch from Overlook Medical Center. We're talking about um, metabolism and weight loss, Um, and it's really a full topic. Um, We don't have much time left on the show, but I want to keep going and get into some of the the nuts and bolts um, Dr. Storch wants to talk about. We're talking about carbs and and insulin and how that affects your body, and he would like you to kind of stop eating 10 hours before you wake up. Is that what we were talking about? Mm -hmm. But but a lot of eating is psychology. It's um, things people eat, people eat for emotional reasons. People, let's get into that a little bit. Is psychology of uh, eating and and those trigger foods that people say, "Oh, I feel like chocolate," and they get like this addiction to have chocolate. And so let's get into that a little bit on the psychology of eating. Yeah, it's a it's a huge topic, and it's it's worthy of an entire show. Uh, but to start scratching the surface. Uh, for one thing, you know, foods clearly can be addictive. I mean, there was controversy about that for a long time, but now we have technology that actually shows what parts of the brain are activated uh, before and after eating. And, this, you know, the same circuits that uh, mediate the reward response to abusive drugs are uh, rewarded by, by food. So a person who um, is having... Um, so let's say suboptimal mood, somebody who's just feeling down or uh, doesn't feel um, like things are going well in life, or, or somebody who comes from a, a family where there, there is a little bit of depression, um, is likely to use food as a strategy to improve mood. Uh, and this is huge. It's, it's really a huge thing because it, it really does work. But the only problem is that food has calories, right. and the effect doesn't last very long. <laughs> so you have to keep remedicating yourself. And it, it's a Band-Aid for a, a much broader uh, situation. And again, this is where a center like ours can be helpful because you know, we have the perspective of looking into that and, and trying to help address that, whether it means uh, some kind of mind-body um, 
type thing like meditation uh, or uh, cognitive therapy or whether it means uh, even going on a medicine uh, to help uh, with, with anxiety or depression um, that can be used as a, as a a medicine which has more validity than continuing to rely on food Eat, as right. medicine because we are using food as medicine in that sense. Uh, yeah. And the food, food is not a good medicine for that. <laughs> Another aspect is uh, the addictive disorder itself. I mean, when, when we're addictive, we do very irrational things and you, you kind of zone out. So it's a loss of control. And uh, when we're doing addictive eating, it's just like going to a zoo. When you, when you go to a zoo, if you go to the animal cage just before a feeding hour, the animals are pacing and they're getting very nervous and right. they don't have a they don't look, they're not looking at the clock but they they their internal senses are telling them that they want to eat and we have the same thing and unfortunately because of our genetic heritage if we're used to overeating then we're going to continue to want to overeat and something has to break that cycle and again that's where a good program can come into play you know for instance one of the techniques that we could use would be to go on a relatively um, uh, fixed diet with meal replacements where we're getting the addictive foods out of your life and you're eating pre-portioned foods that are non-addictive um, as part of your program, maybe providing, you know, let's say, 70% of the calories just to make things very simple for you. And then include in that some other foods so you can be social and, and you can eat very healthily. So that would include vegetables and a meal of mixed foods that you could have with your friends or your family. And going through a program like that for a number of weeks, you lose a lot of weight, and you also have a chance to de-addict and sort of reset the clock in your body to not be craving those foods. Uh, so that, that's that's one of the techniques that okay. you know can lead into a good outcome. Okay. Um, this is very interesting. I would uh, hopefully bring you back to talk more about that portion. But before the show ends, I just want to know, um, for someone who's listening, and a lot of us want to lose weight or change their eating habits, what is the best way to start? I know it's, it's a big question in a few minutes, but what is the best way to start? Probably calling you is one of them, but in general, <laughs> how could we start? Who's listening? Well, it's a great question, and I'd, I'd start by saying that <clears throat> if somebody's a self-starter, they don't need our help, my, our help. And maybe just listening to the show is enough to get somebody started. But pragmatically, I think you want to have both small goals and big goals. You want to have big goals because you want to have a, a map to steer by and have a sense of, of what you want to accomplish. And it's important not to have goals that are unrealistic. If somebody, uh, let's say if, if a woman is a size 18 and her goal is to get down to a size 6, you know, maybe that's not so realistic, at least not in the short t term. Because even bariatric surgery won't accomplish that. Right. Um, but you want to have a realistic goal for, let's say, 6 to 12 months. But you also need very small goals so you can start to uh, score, hit some singles, get on base, and um, get some points where you can say, feel good about yourself and feel like, okay, I'm, I'm on the road uh, to start. And those things could be uh, simply um, you, starting some new healthy foods, uh, starting to eat um, unprocessed foods, uh, to start a regular pattern of exercise, uh, but just something that makes a change. But going beyond that, I think the support system is the next level. Um, there was a study that showed that people who have thinner relatives and even thinner friends tend to be thinner, and people who have more overweight friends tend to be heavier. And there's a big social networking and support 
structure to this. So for, for many people, just going at it by themselves is not enough. And you can begin by uh, collaborating with your friends, maybe your family, uh, tr try and keep yourself honest and not to make it into just a, a weekend type of a program. Um, when it goes to the point where it, that's not enough, then you want to bring in your primary doctor, uh, whether, it, whether it's a family practitioner or an internist or a gynecologist, and get some feedback from them. Um, and then there are programs out there, you know, whether it, it, it's Weight Watchers or the other commercial programs, right. you, you know, where you can go to support. And beyond that, the program like a metabolic center like we have at Overlook would be the next level where if you really need people who have specific training as professionals and you have a multidisciplinary team who can shift from between many different diets and can individualize a program for you, um, then you, that's probably the fullest amount of support that you can get. Okay. That definitely gives us a good idea on uh, how to get a start. I want to thank you again for being my guest today. Um, it was a very interesting show. Uh, we touched base on a lot of it. There's still a lot more I would have liked to touch base, so hopefully we can bring you back uh, in the coming weeks and we can delve more into specific topics. Um, I will be having an Answers Live website uh, probably launched in the next two weeks. We'll uh, have all the shows there and highlights, and we'll kind of have more of a schedule so you can actually see what's coming up. Again, this was Dr. Kenneth Storch at the uh, Overlook Medical Center. Um, he is uh, the medical director at the newly opened Metabolic Weight and Wellness Center. You can reach him at 908 522-5794. And again, this is Tom Wood from Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialist. To reach us, it's 973-285-7800. I will be speaking with you all again next Sunday um, with another great topic. Thank you and have a great day. Join us again next week for Answers Live, your community medical connection making a partnership of good health. The preceding program was paid for by Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. The views and opinions expressed on Answers Live are not necessarily those of the staff and management of the station. Management has not investigated the claims made during this program. The views and medical recommendations of guests on Answers Live are not necessarily those of Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. As always, consult your health professional regarding any medical decisions. Hey there, Chris Edwards of the WMTR Morning Team here. No such thing as a free lunch? 